Africa, a continent of some 1.2 billion people on the continent. They have to eat, they have to travel, they have to work, they have to keep it going. And in this context, it's all about travel and tourism. It has been said at the Travel and Tourism in Summit earlier today and yesterday and on Sunday because it spanned over the three days that this is in many respects a gold mine that remains untapped. To tell us more about that now is the acting CEO, Mama Stembi Sodlamini. Mama, thank you so much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening, so Thanks for having me and good evening to your listeners. Fantastic. You sound very upbeat. Tell us then about the last three days for you as well as the Department of Tourism. I'm sounding up bit because I'm still operating at an adrenaline. I mean, it was just an amazing three days that we've just had. Uh, we started on Sunday, um, obviously having, um, uh, you know, opening the Africa's Travel and, and Tourism Summit with our SMEs coming together, looking at ways in which they can contribute to the recovery of the sector in the continent and, and, and how they can actually assist in terms of coming together to transform the sector. So that was epic. And and obviously we ended with the, just the past two days uh, uh, staging Africa's Travel and Tourism Summit. And I think one of the interesting things is that it was the first hybrid summit that we were hosting. And uh, we hosted it in three cities, uh, which is Johannesburg uh, at Central Convention Center uh, in Durban, in Kose, Albert Lutuli, um, uh, ICC, and um, in Lagos um, in Nigeria. So it was quite interesting. So we had these three cities where people, we had delegates attending physically. Um, of course, in South Africa, we, 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 we adhered to the regulations of 250, um, uh, you know, gatherings, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, inside. And, and, and I think it has been epic because uh, really we looked at how do we then work together as a continent um, to now reignite and recover the tourism sector. And, you know, looking at how do we educate one another, how do we share um, with one another some of the trends or the, 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 you know, the upcoming trends that we see and the shifts that we see within the tourism landscape given the COVID pandemic. So it has been really epic. That's why I'm sounding a bit because I'm still operating at that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> adrenaline. I would hate to say one or two things at some point are going to take away from that adrenaline because there are still one or two challenges on the continent. And to the extent that I was able to get into some of the conference rooms and engage some of the contributors there as well as those who are listening and posing questions there are still some challenges which are not so much a tourism challenge but rather political challenges or sort of country profile challenges which ultimately impact on tourism as a business sector being able to grow or not for instance COVID is just one of those things political unrest in certain countries is another and the lack of access to adequate infrastructure at some level or the other will then ultimately impact COVID so without necessarily telling us a bad story but there are realities that we have to consider. What are those two things which happen at a country profile level, if you will, or at a level way above you or beyond your powers or scope that ultimately affect tourism? I'm asking this question because I want people to understand that what happens in one space has a ripple effect in another. Look, I think one of the critical outcomes or, or the key focus areas of this uh, summit What's precisely is that uh, because we're looking at how do we then develop and grow tourism uh, as one of the critical sectors to uh, grow our economies in the continent. And we know that you cannot grow tourism if you don't have, uh, you know, an enabling policy environment. What do I mean by that? 
enabling policy environment simply means that you've got to make your destination accessible. And now if you look at an African, you know, in an, within the African context, is one of the key challenges that we have is how do we ensure that, uh, you know, the continent is accessible to its citizens, uh, you know, for example, and we can have things like your intra, you know, intra-Africa travel. Mm-hmm. And those are some of the, you know, policy challenges that we have that would obviously be dealt with above my pay grade, so to speak. The second thing is that, um, you know, for tourism to grow, you need, uh, you know, access from a, a air mobility access point of view. So you really, you need... Or C, or C, A and C. Yeah, uh, uh, of course. So, so you need some sort of mode of transport to actually carry people from one place to another. So, for example, if you look at the, you know, African context, we're, we're quite fortunate because if you look at, our, you know, our land markets, we still have those borders that people can actually drive in. But if you look at the continent, the rest of the continent, we've got just that access that needs to be opened up. And this means that we've got to sit around the table and say, what other, you know, uh, route networks do we now develop? Uh, I think uh, the, the ambassador, one of the ambassadors spoke mm-hmm. uh, at one of the panels, said, how do we then begin to come up with new routes than just relying on these old routes that uh, we were creating? Ambassador Mpoko from the DRC, ambassador you are right. Absolutely, absolutely. So those are some of the political issues that we really have to, are really above my pay grade as an, as an official. Fantastic. But also, um, the other key issue that is quite critical for, for tourism growth and uh, is inclusive growth. So ensuring that we've got a small, uh, uh, you know, and medium enterprises entering the tourism sector so that we can have as much diversified product as possible. So that we might, we, we also might have, we also have, uh, you know, a lot of, um, and, you know, people participating in the tourism economy. So transformation is a critical factor that needs that political will mm. because we need to ensure that uh, these small uh, uh, and medium enterprises can be supported at the government level, uh, but also at, you know, at a political level, uh, you know, as well. So those are some of the things that obviously when you talk, um, you know, uh, tourism growth within the continent, uh, you, you're going to have to take them, uh, you know, into consideration. The time is 2020. I have another minute and a half, and I'm scared to take our first caller for tonight. So what I propose is we go to a short ad break before we continue. And first up will be Ross calling in from Johannesburg. And I understand that Ross is a first-time caller. After the break, Ross is on. Back, we are live. This is the African Narrative, and we're talking about Africa's Travel and Tourism Summit recently concluded earlier today at the Santon ICC. On the line is Ms. Stembi Sotlamini, acting CEO of SA Tourism, together with the chief marketing officer there, Ms. Demzi Kumala, who I will bring in very shortly. Let's go to our first-time caller, Ross, in Johannesburg, and I take the wonderful opportunity to wish him a happy birthday. It's a double whammy here for us, a birthday ball calling us for the first time. Good evening, Ross. Many happy returns on your birthday. Thank you for calling us. Thanks for the opportunity and the wishes, and uh, greetings to your listeners. Um, it's very nice to be uh, to be on the show, and uh, just to sort of comment around the the, uh, the uh, tourism uh, sector that came this afternoon. Uh, I was partly to it. Uh, it's obviously a good thing for the country, but I do think that tourism is one of the key stakeholders in job creation in South Africa, and I think that the departments, as well as SA Tourism, need to engage further with the private sector in terms of the plans that they want to roll out because, uh, you know, we, the private sector is quite well-versed in, 
in being good at creating things, but we need to also make sure that we do it in conjunction with government's view. Mm. Now, job creation in the sector, this is key. And many of these jobs are low-hanging fruits. What if you can talk a bit more, Ross, are your experiences in that regard? Because this is something certainly Ms. Lamini is going to speak to as well as Mr. Kumal a little bit later on. Yeah, I think in terms of, of the low-hanging fruit, it's the largest employer of uh, of people in South Africa and globally. It's something that can certainly be utilized to create job creation in a country and a continent that suffers from large unemployment. Uh, what it needs is collaboration in the appropriate fashion, less regulation potentially from government, but more kind of collaboration and talking to private sector about making sure that they do it responsibly. Um, you know, in terms of the way we move forward in, in a capitalistic environment, we also have to look at the, at the social space. We have to look at the social economic impact that we have on society. And we must factor that in in terms of our corporate plans. I heard a lot of these points that you have addressed now in the summit of the last two days. I'm going to give Ms. Lamini an opportunity to respond to that. Thank you so much, Ross. Great call. Ms. Lamini? Thank you so much, Ross, and happy birthday. I mean, it's, it's, he's spot on. I mean, there is just no way we're going to sit here as SA Tourism and say we're the only people who are going to make the sector to recover or going to contribute to the growth uh, of the tourism sector. So one of the key important things that came out of the summit as well is that there has to be greater collaboration with all the players uh, you know, uh, across the value chain. So in this instance, you're looking at policymakers, you're also looking at the private sector because they own products, essentially. Uh, well, we, we do know that in certain instances, you've got government, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, owns, um, uh, you know, that owns a, a product and, and, and some of the attractions that we have within the tourism value chain. But most importantly, is ensuring that we're on the same page. And it's something that has come up, uh, you know, during the past three, uh, three days as to how do we strengthen our stakeholder collaboration to ensure that we deliver this sector recovery. I'll give you an example. Mm. We have a sector recovery plan. This sector recovery plan was actually done collaborating with, with uh, 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 you know, private sector. Private sector has actually played an important role in ensuring that we table, um, uh, or Minister of Tourism tables, a comprehensive, uh, you know, sector recovery plan that in, encompasses all the inputs that came also from private sector as critical players of the recovery. So, so, so that is, uh, you know, um, 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 uh, you know, collaboration number one, where we actually say, how do we actually uh, work together to ensure that we can recover from this pandemic? Pandemic, but also we don't let a good crisis go to waste. We recover, mm-hmm. but in, in a much more inclusive way. You would see that, uh, you know, things that, you know, uh, the key issue that Ross is talking about around job creation. The SMEs are at the center of this job creation. I mean, we can't leave them behind. Certainly, we know that we can't ignore those who have actually played an important role in establishing a tourism sector in South Africa. But gone are the days where we're going to have to look at that. We've got to actually share this pie and say, how do we actually ensure that we create an environment where new entrants can actually thrive, small businesses and medium businesses can enter the market, where we actually now pro- provide diversified product and offering to the rest of the world. Uh, you know, into our respective, uh, you know, uh, 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 destination, particularly if I'm talking from an African context. Sure. So I think it's an important point that Ross is, is talking about. The whole all government, you know, whole government approach is important, but also community-based 
because you can't leave communities out of this thing. Uh, at the center of who we are as a destination is the people. So the people of South Africa, if I'm talking from a South African context, become the hosts or become, uh, you know, the, the key players uh, to the, you know, uh, tourism economy. So we can't leave them behind. We've got to ensure that uh, that we collaborate with them. They are uh, consulted. We know what they're looking for to actually ensure that they are great hosts and we can uh, you know, attract more tourists into our country. I do want to go into the feel-good stories around this Travel and Tourism Summit, and I'm going to bring in Mr. Mziko Malo just after this one question that I have to ask in the light of everything that you have said. There's this, this debacle, it featured in the news bulletin of the UK putting South Africa on the red list. Can you give us an update insofar as it relates to that? Don't say anything that is not in the public domain because I do know that is actually the province of the ministry, but it is something that as an implementing agent of the department that will be something that you obviously have to deal with. That's one. And second, the barriers to entry, particularly when we're talking about employment and getting in the smaller players, SMMEs, people traditionally on the outskirts of tourism as a sector, they certainly are becoming mainstream now, now that we're talking about more domestic travel and domestic tourism. And the fact that, relatively speaking, international travel is not nearly at the levels at which it should or could be. And as a result, it's getting different players within the context of tourism. And I'm asking this question in the context of the tourism sector recovery plan. Yeah, thanks, Thomas. I think I'm, I want to start with a few good stories, uh, uh, you know, of <laughs> of of where they, the, you know, some of our critical markets uh, see us in South Africa. I mean, we woke up to the news that Germany has now lifted, uh, you know, the travel um, advisory against South Africa. So we're allowed, if you're fully vaccinated, there is that, you know, uh, border opening between uh, the two countries. Germany is one of the critical markets. I think it's number two if you look at our Europe portfolio. Secondly is, we, yesterday, there was an announcement that the Biden administration, U.S., is now opening, mm, uh, yes, uh, yes. you know, uh, its borders. I think in November to vaccinated South Africans. So, so we are waking up to good news, where the rest of the world, and particularly where we invest the most, the key source markets, were op- they are opening up their borders, and and I think there is confidence that is, has been built uh, by the fact that South Africa is now moving swiftly in terms of its vaccination, uh, you know, uh, program rollout. So, so I think that's that's good news. However, we do still have the you know uh, not so good news where we're still in the red list in one of our key top source markets, which is UK market, which is UK. We're still in the red list, and and I think at the summit uh, you were there. We we also welcomed the announcement by uh, the Minister of Tourism, uh, Maylin Dwesesud, where she announced that uh, obviously she met with the uh, 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 Deputy uh, British High Commissioner. They had, they had a discussion around. Uh, the red list uh, and, and you know the British government uh, removing South Africa from the red list, mm. and and I think what uh, was announced, which is in the public domain, is the minister saying that uh, South African and British scientists will conduct some sort of research, or they'll come together uh, to discuss uh, this whole thing around the beta variant and how we can uh, you know navigate the robot system of the UK, uh, you know government. So I think that is a little bit of of good news in a sense that at least there is willingness of the two governments to come together to actually find a soft work. And I think this is necessary because, like I said, UK is our number one international market. Um, I mean, if I can give you some of the statistics, in 2019, we received about 400,000 UK or, 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 you know, uh, uh, travelers into South Africa. And it's, it is one of the highest spending, uh, you know, uh, uh, markets. So the, 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 oh, they, yes. the average spend, uh, uh, you know, per tourist from the, uh, the UK market is a lot higher. 
so meaning we can actually contribute more to the GDP, we can contribute more into creating those jobs. So those are some of the things that we dealt with. Yeah, CRC. No, no, sorry, you wanted to say something? I wanted to say, you spoke about the importance of domestic uh, uh, markets, yes, which yes. I think is important for us to discuss. I think we've learned from the pandemic that we, we, we really have to um, uh, rethink how we grow domestic tourism because we can no longer have domestic tourism as an alternative. We have to create it as a base, both from a leisure point of view and from a business point of view. And, and we know that, uh, you know, from a research point of view, one of the critical issues that, or a critical barrier that, uh, you know, uh, 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 prohibits people or South Africans from traveling in and around the country is the issue of affordability. Hence, we have, you know, such uh, initiatives such as, uh, you know, a short-lived travel week, where we partner with the private sector and product and trade to actually give discount uh, to South Africans to travel their own country. So up to 50% discount. So, so those are some of the initiatives that we've got to do. But most importantly, we are now saying the, the day trips of visiting just tourist attractions and doing, a, you know, leisure focused, uh, you know, things, uh, you know, on a daily basis becomes important because we are able to sustain those small businesses, those small attractions, those experiences that are out there in the com- run by community members so that we are able to sustain those jobs. But from a business event point of view as well, we said gone are the days where we would have, have to wait for international events to come and fill up our meetings, mm. um, uh, you know, uh, uh, venues. We've got to start with our local associations and local corporates where we take back the meetings into these venues so that we are able to sustain A, the venues, but B, the jobs that, uh, you know, come with you know, operating those venues. So those are some of the things that we really, really have to take into consideration. We've got to start traveling. We've, we've got to start having our meetings. I know that everybody, for the past 20 uh, months, we got used to working virtually. But I think it's time. You've been at the, uh, you know, uh, uh, mm. convention center. The protocols, uh, COVID-19 protocols were adhered to. Uh, people were social distancing. People were wearing their masks. So I think that you know that kind of a thing starts bringing that confidence back into our destination it certainly does and i hope that the enthusiasm and the adrenaline that has kept you going will sustain you until you lose the title acting and then you become the full ceo of sa tourism thank you so much miss stembi sordamini for your most insightful thoughts see we've lost my Lamini there but mr kumalo is certainly still on the line chief marketing officer at SA Tourism. Bramzi, good evening. Thank you so much for holding on. We certainly are keen to have your thoughts in terms of some of the things that we might not know or have not yet considered about SA Tourism because the reality is the music plays and South Africa is getting onto the ship and making sure that SA Tourism is continuing to market South Africa as a destination of choice. Yes, good evening, sir. And good evening to all of you listeners. Um, let me start off by, you know, by, by, by saying this, you know, I think it was Stephen, you know, Kavi that said, you can't talk your way out of something that you've behaved yourself into. You've got to unbehave yourself, uh, as evidence, you know, of, of, of proper transformation and proper moving forward. And what happened over the last three days is the tourism sector in South Africa, in Nigeria, across the continent, reflecting into the world that we are prepared to behave ourselves into progress by coming together, 
in venues compliantly, according to the international COVID-19 you know, uh, protocols, and be able to pull off an event that I think is unprecedented, you know, definitely, you know, in, in, in most of the parts of the world. And I believe that with this bold step that we've just taken now, you know, there's no more rolling back. We've got to roll forward now and continue to meet. We can't be advocating for other people to travel and to meet when we ourselves are not doing so. So I believe that we have taken our first bold step going forward and that from now onwards, that is going to be the order of the day for us to do so compliantly, safely, but to do so confidently, knowing that, you know, as the world opens up mutually to ourselves, we'll be able to receive our travelers from around the world because we ourselves have already started the practice of moving around. So that's the first thing that I wanted to say, you know, just in, in opening. Mm. The next thing that I would like to, you know, talk about is, you know, the, the whole thing around, you know, how we go about doing our messaging. Um, first, firstly, let's say in the, uh, in, the, in the advocacy space. Yeah. So the three bundles of communication that, you know, we focus on. The first one is to focus on communication around the barrier issues, as my boss just spoke, you know, earlier on. You know, and the, the issues, yes, around COVID-19 and getting, you know, South Africa off, you know, the red list in all our key source markets around the world. But it is also communicating around the visa regime, communicating around safety and security, communicating around airlift and pricing and really communicating to the world that we have responded. We use this opportunity, you know, during the lockdown to respond to the issues that have faced us, that we take them seriously. And that actually all of the adversity that faced us as we went into the lockdown and through the lockdown has actually made South Africa a better destination than it probably even was at its height before we went into the lockdown. And I believe that because as I was speaking to the various players, mm. uh, you know, in the industry, you know, over the last three days, yeah. you can see the determination, you can see the focus, you can see the reshaping and, you know, the diligence around how we're going to deliver you know, this, this, this destination and make it really, really excellent going forward. The second bundle of issues, very quickly, you know, is around the value chain uh, of, of tourism. Because think about it this way, a, a person in any of our source markets thinking about coming to South Africa first has to engage with the trade there, buy a ticket, you know, buy a package, you know, with an airline. They have to apply for a visa. They have to get on an aircraft. They've got to fly here. They've got to go through an airport. They've got to go around the country. So at all the key touch points of the tourism value chain, it is absolutely critical for us to demonstrate to the world that we have been resilient in terms of the quality of that value chain, that we have fixed, you know, even some of the things that needed to be enhanced, and that we now have an even more well-oiled machine from a value chain standpoint. And I believe that we'll be able to demonstrate at each of those key points of the value chain that South Africa really has, you know, is ready to receive visitors from around the world. And in that and regard, finally, yeah, sure, in yes, final, sir. final. And then finally, you know, people will visit a place that makes them feel something that they can resonate with. And over the, you know, the, especially the COVID, you know, lockdown period, We've been running, you know, a, a sentiment study, this studying, doing social listening and, 
you know, very sophisticated, you know, uh, predictive modeling to see, you know, what really makes South Africa special and what people are looking forward to as South Africa reopens. And the one emotion, the one sentiment that South Africa owns uniquely in the world is the sentiment of joy. You know, people, when they come to Africa across the board, they feel a sense of joy in our culture, our music, mm-hmm. our food, the scenery, the, the great experiences, the great moments that they cannot experience anywhere else in the world. And they leave, you know, to tell those joy stories around the world. And we have now been able to look at the supply side of, you know, uh, um, um, of our tourism value chain to make sure that we've got new, fresh experiences that we're able to put out into, you know, the world as it opens up so that, yes, we still have our traditional uh, product, you know, that has now been enhanced, but that we bring in some new categories of experiences so that we present a really fresh and reignited South African destination. And you have operations in 13 international markets where that message has to resonate. Tell us then how those international markets have been selected, which where are they, and how is what is happening in the country then consistent with the message that you are putting out in those offices for those markets so that we can see increased traffic domestically in South Africa from outside? Yes, sir. So obviously we've got a finite amount of resources to market around the world, and we've got to place our bets where we believe we're going to get the, the greatest return. We use, you know, Oxford Econometrics and we use other, you know, sources of data to really look at where we would get the best yield looking at a a, a number of of, of metrics. Not just, you know, having people that are willing to to come to South Africa, but we've also got to make sure that we've got the requisite value chain to bring them in and, you know, the requisite supply side in order to, to be able to deliver against their expectations. So we do this every five years. Um, you know, we review it kind of at the third year uh, 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 level and then conclude it in the fifth year. And we've traditionally had, you know, up to 44 markets around the world. We have now focused it down to 24 countries, not, you know, rejecting the other 20, but changing the model in which we are able to market into those environments. But it's a very, very focused, very scientific, you know, very uh, uh, responsible approach uh, that, that we have in terms of selecting the markets. Then within each market, we, ra- we run a brand strength uh, index, which shows what are the competitive levers in terms of the offering that we need to put into those markets in order to get that return. And what we do is we run that brand strength index against the competitive set that we have in each of those markets. So if, let's say, Australia is a competitor out of the UK, we would then benchmark ourselves and look at what we need to do in order to be more successful than they would be in terms of getting tourists into, into, uh, into South Africa. And with those two instruments and our conversion funnel, which looks at the value chain, those three instruments give us the basis with, with which to go to market. There's something I heard about a Netflix partnership. We're talking international stuff. We're talking about why South Africa and the African continent at large is, should be, and must always be attractive to the outside world. And the outside world is not just domestic and business travel, but institutions. Netflix is one such institution. What can you share with us? I'm glad you asked the question. So 
traditionally, tourism is, you know, leisure tourism, people coming for holidays. And then it would be business events, you know, uh, people coming for conferences, for meetings, incentives, conferences and exhibitions. Um, but what we, in looking at the data, you know, uh, uh, we, we realize that a lot more people are coming for other reasons. So they're coming for sports, they're coming for music, they're coming for fashion, they're coming for the food, they're coming for, you know, different lifestyle reasons, you know, cultural roots and things like that, that do not necessarily form part of, you know, the traditional leisure and business event uh, pillars. So looking at that, we, we, we developed on the supply side, you know, all the experiences that we believe will be able to speak into those pillars. But we needed a vehicle through which to tell those stories. Now, COVID-19 lockdown, you know, gave us that opportunity because people were sitting at home. The consumption of, you know, online uh, content increased. So, you know, whether it was YouTube or Netflix or whatever other platform, but streaming services, you know, suddenly, you know, uh, experienced an upsurge. When we looked at the platform that mo- that gave us the most reach globally, that gave us the most uh, analytical you know uh, insights into the reasons for travel out of those markets, and that was willing to develop the kind of content that we believe is not backward-looking on South Africa, but forward-looking on the new trends that are coming out of South Africa. We believe that Netflix was the best partner for us uh, uh, to, uh, to go with. It was not an easy negotiation with them because obviously, you know, yes, they've worked with other tourism authorities, but they hadn't worked with us before. So we had to really craft that partnership and make sure that it is mutually beneficial, both to Netflix, but most importantly to South Africa as a destination. Storytelling is an African craft, Mm. you know, and when people visit a country, they don't go away and talk about, you know, the great road or the great building. They tell stories about what they felt and experienced, the moments that they had. And storytelling from an advertising standpoint is short form, 30 seconds, 90 seconds. All that a TV, a TV series or a movie is, is simply a long form piece that communicates the same thing. So we believe that you know, this partnership will be able to give us a credible way in which to communicate the lifestyle part of our of our offering, which does not necessarily form the traditional leisure and business events platforms. Wow. Today, Netflix announced the launch of the Made in South Africa content collection, a curated collection featuring over 80 South African films, series, documentaries, and reality TV shows created by some of the country's most prolific talents, both behind and in front of the camera. The collection highlights South African storytellers and talent who have elevated South Africa's creative industry recognition around the world. With all of this being now showcased to the world on a platform that is fast becoming pretty much hand in glove with owning a television set or a smart device, as it were, this is as good a time then to reboot the tourism industry in the country, given the fact that there's no Makufe, there's no Cape Town Jazz Festival, there is no... Durban July National Arts Festival and all of the losses that come with not even being able to attend sports fixtures, this partnership probably has come at no better time. That's the final comment I want from you. Your response, please. So, what social media has been able to give us 
30 it seconds. has been able to give us the rise of the individual brand. So people communicating with people directly, circumventing you know our, our platforms. Now, if we had to say, what does made in China mean? You know, there are a whole lot of connotations, you know, in terms of the efficacy of what gets, you know, gets manufactured there. Yeah, yeah. We've never been able to articulate to the world what made in Africa means. Mm-hmm. And what Netflix has masterfully been able to do is to take the absolute best of what, South Af- uh, what Africa is about. Our talent, you know, our music, our culture, you know, uh, our fashion, and our way of life and show that made in Africa is actually smart, innovative, you know, creative and powerful, you know, and forward-looking. And I think that the whole made in, in, in Africa uh, concept will not only, you know, lure, you know, visitors to come visit, you know, Africa, but it will increase our own self-esteem as a continent that we are actually excellent because we are. Fantastic. I believe that we are... A bit, a bit, I believe that we are the best place on earth and we will continue to grow powerfully into the future. That's as good a note as to end this segment. It certainly sounds like you guys there at SA Tourism, together with the department and your other stakeholders, have got something to keep us very interested to make for a more buoyant South African and robust South African economy through telling a story that is 100% ours. Our story with our music, with our food, with our landscape. That was the Chief Marketing Officer at SA Tourism, Bramzi Kumalo. Thanks, everybody. 2148. And by the way, Altaf Kazi, I note you, my brother. Thank you so much for that message. You made me sound that much more clever, certainly on that Netflix matter. 2148. Good night.